0: Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. If you are in the market for fine menswear, i.e. suits, shirts, ties, etc., you need to check out Etiquette Dawn. I personally have several pieces from him, and every time I wear them, I feel confident, well-dressed, and I receive many compliments. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Dawn as well. The Hangout with Coach Newton podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas-area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code PODCAST at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. In this episode, I talk with a good friend and podcasting mentor, Coach Chris Vasher, a.k.a. Coach Vass. You know Coach Vass from the Make Defense Great Again podcast, his CoachTube channel, and many other ventures. We dive into what prompted him to start off these different platforms, how he manages them, what drives him to continue to create content, and what he hopefully, ultimately, wants to contribute to the game of football that has given him so much. In case you didn't know, Coach Vass went to the University of Miami, and I went to Florida State. So we talk a little old school UM versus FSU and more. And you'll enjoy today's episode. Make sure to check out www.coachvass.com for links to all of Coach Vass's content. Follow his podcast at MDGA Podcast, at RunVassOption, and himself at Coach Vass on Twitter. Hey now, welcome to the, oh wait, just kidding. <laughs> I'm hanging out with the man, the myth, the legend, my my good friend, the guy that uh has deemed me my internet doctorate, Mr. Croach, Chris Basher, Coach Vass. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you?
1: Hey man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So for everybody that has no idea what the hell that intro was all about, one, they're they're doing it themselves a disservice, they're not listening to the MDGA podcast, right? That's your intro, Hey Now, um, you got the sweet music and everything. And then, you know, you when, when you first were doing your podcast uh, a couple of years ago, right? You were getting a lot of coaches and then you would do like the, the preview for the week before stuff. And so you'd always take the questions. Um, and then I think at one point for however it came about, you just started referring to me as Doctor Noonan uh, yeah. whenever I ask questions. I have no doctorate, and I have no intention of getting a doctorate. But you know, it's like Shaq when he gets his uh, honorary doctorate degree. I feel honored to be the be the doctor of the MDGA podcast.
1: <laughs> well, what happened was um, what, during the season we have a Q and A podcast where you guys can submit questions and whatnot. And you would submit questions, but on your Twitter bio, I think it said Peter Noonan, and then it had uh, something else after it, right?
0: Yeah, just uh, M- after MED, Masters.
1: Well, so, and then Nima Salimi, I believe, who coaches in Georgia, he's a doctor. He is, or he's got his yeah. doctorate. And you guys would submit questions around the same time. And so I, for some reason I melded the two together. So you were Dr. Peter Noonan and I would refer to you as such. And then one day, like, I think it was like after the fifth question or something, you're like, I'm not really a doctor. So then it just kind of stuck, but yeah, you have the doctorate in defense. There you
0: go. I wish my record reflected that, but it's okay, <laughs> man. So let's talk about the birth of. Coach Bass, the coach, before we get into the MDGA podcast, and everything that you're doing right now, because I think who, who you are as a coach and where that has led you has a lot to do with what all that you're doing now.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I was a, I was a student at the University of Miami. I had a very different background growing up. I played drums. I was in a band. Always loved the game. Played when I was younger, but nothing of any consequence. And when I was going to school at Miami, well, two things. I was going to school at Miami. I was also a a summer camp counselor every, and I went to this camp called San Pedro every year, and became a counselor when I uh, got too old to be a camper. And I was there for fifteen summers, and I loved working. I was one of the only guys, or really only staffers that really liked working with the high school kids. I just really connected with them, and so. I had this love of a sport and I loved working with kids and I thought, you know, teaching is coaching. So I was a senior at Miami. I said, and I, I didn't really tell anybody about this. I told my buddy Anthony Brandon who played at Notre Dame and who was at camp with me. I had this crazy idea. I want to coach football. And I think it's insane because I don't have much experience playing. And he said, well, you know, there's tons of great coaches that did this and he, he laid it out for me, which I didn't know. So I really kind of took about six months, didn't really tell anybody and kind of started researching coaches and the backgrounds and just became obsessed with learning the game. Basically, this is kind of crazy, but I got a, I was collecting University of Miami memorabilia on eBay and I got a playbook and I didn't know playbooks were readily available online. I had no idea how any of this worked. And I got the playbook and I opened this. Like, wow, this is so cool. What does it mean? <laughs> and so like, I didn't know what the circles with the half shades were and all that stuff. So. I started researching it, and learning about it. And then it took me on this path. And I was about to graduate. Well, first, I, so I, we had a class called the sport industry in South Florida. And so we visited a bunch of different places the Mar- Miami Marathon, the Miami Heat, the Florida Panthers, the Homestead Raceway. But one of the days we went to the Miami's athletic office. And so I met with the direct, we, or well, I guess I didn't meet with them. The class met with the director of football. Ops, he came in and talked to us. And so, I called his office and says, you know, I really want to get in this business. Can we meet? I think it was like a Friday. He goes, yeah, let's do next Friday. So I go in and I talk to him, tell him my goals. And he says, well, let me look around the program and see if there's anything we can get you. See if there's anything out there that, you know, we can, we can get you going. He goes, I'll be, get back to you in a week. I said, okay. And that was the worst thing he could have ever told me. So I let a week go by. And he didn't know I wouldn't try this at kids or uh, try this at home kids. Um, uh, he didn't get back to me for a week. So I called him every day for six weeks. I either called him, I emailed him or I showed up because it was right by where my classes were. Uh, every day for six weeks and and towards the end, it became a game like I would tell my roommate, hey, I'm going to call Jeff Merck right now uh, for, you know, trying to get the no. So my dad was in town the weekend of my birthday or something. He actually had my car. One of the presents or the present that he got me for my birthday was to put new tires on my car. So we had my car, it was like a Costco in Kendall, Miami, you know, outside of Miami. And I finally called Jeff. I'm like laughing with Chris, going, Yeah, here we go. He's gonna tell me no. And he answered the phone. He's like, We actually found something for you. I was like, What? So I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, you gotta come back. You gotta come back. I gotta go to the school. And he's like, I I have your like your car's up on, on a rack. Like, we can't, I can't just leave. We don't you don't have any tires in your car. And so forgot what happened after that, but they basically let me run videotapes in Miami my senior year. And all I did was because I was the only guy in the film department that wanted to coach, everybody else wanted to be like a videographer. So the the video coordinator was really a football guy, really understood the game. He says, listen, just go out there, watch, just run the tapes. And we had to run the old uh, beta tapes. Just run the tapes in, and just watch practice and learn. So I got to soak it all in and got to learn how to break down film and just, it was the coolest experience, but then I wanted more. And I thought about staying in Miami, but Miami couldn't pay me and their grad school was crazy expensive. So I cold called 40 schools and um, San Jose State offered me the best opportunity. So packed my car, my little Honda Accord, drove across the country, didn't know anybody had never been and started as a, I was the assistant video coordinator at San Jose state, getting my masters. I was actually a volunteer. And then about after a week, they put me on scholarship. And then I, you know, went in and coached high school football for a long time. And and I coached, well, coached high school football for four years with also a semi-pro coach, a JC ball, then D3 ball at Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi. Great experience, but I hated it. So I decided to come home and was back in Orlando, living at my mom's house for a little bit. And so, you know, what am I going to do now? So I decided to go back out to NorCal, coached there for six years decided I needed you know I was living the 1099 life I was an independent contractor in the Silicon Valley working at a startup but it just the security wasn't there and so I said you know I'm gonna go coach at Clovis High School in the valley uh, so I was there for two years and then my mom ended up getting sick she lived back in Orlando and so I uh, had made a list of things that I would do because I figured after the school year I would come and take care of her and I would just need a way to get by just to hang on And I was trying to figure out things I could do from home so I could be flexible, taking her to her chemo appointments and whatnot. But she ended up passing away much quicker than anybody expected. And so I had a decision to make. Do I stay in Clovis or do I go home? And because I couldn't afford to carry two houses. So I said, you know what? I quit in the middle of the school year. Luckily, we were an online school, so it was really easy to, like, take my list of 35 kids and reassign them because we only met once a month, it was it's very different. It would have been weird if I would have felt much worse if I was a teacher and I had a classroom and had like 200 kids and just left like this is way different. So I, I, I moved back, I decided to start a business. And because I wanted to keep my home, I knew I couldn't be a teacher in Florida right away, because I'd have to go through the whole, you know, and I was just about to clear my credential in California too. all those years. And I decided to come home and start a business and try to help coaches and just try to make it and get by. And so that's what I'm doing today. You know, I've got the podcasts, I'm doing stuff. I'm just doing random, doing YouTube stuff. I help out journalists with identifying coverages or whatever, so they can write articles, just a little bit of everything. Do one-on-one consulting, have a Patreon, but truth be told, I've realized that I've really enjoyed the impact that I'm having even more than just coaching. And what became something just to get by has been turned into like, this is what I want to do. And so, you know, I liken it to, I was just on run the power and I said, it's, it's like being a grandparent, you know, you get to have all the fun with the kids, with the team. So you get to talk to these schools, give them ideas, you get to do the fun stuff and then you don't have to worry about any BS, And you just kind of leave. And then, and then you come back and you get to do more fun stuff later on. So I'm really, really enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, I did not expect this. I did not plan this. It's been insane how this has all come about, but everything happens for a reason or something, right? That's what they say.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I I don't remember specifically what episode or what podcast, but I, you know, I I remember you talking about how you know you have as a coach you you have those relationships with your players and those right. things are things are- that you cherish but you know you for you specifically there was a greater connection to coaches than to kids and that's kind of I think what led to the the start of the podcast and then just to keep it going because you really I think you said it that um uh, you know, kids come and go, but coaches, coaches are forever. They may leave and just graduate. Yeah. That's right. Coaches, coaches graduate. never graduate. And, mm-hmm. and that's so true, man. Cause you know, I, we think about the things that we tell our players, like this is your team this year. Or, and when you talk to seniors whatever, and you're like, I'll still be coaching after you graduate, or I'll still be, I, I may still be here after you graduate college, but you know, you have here and now We we get to we get to rinse and repeat and try it again the next year or the year after. Uh, and these kids only get four years in high school or maybe three, four years, five years, uh, six potentially with this COVID extra year. But, you no, know, it's it's so awesome what you've done for not just the game of football, but I think like you got you. And then the guys that run the power, what you've done with this podcast platform for the game of football to create opportunity for guys to come on and speak. And then for somebody like me, who's just barely getting started to even have a desire to keep it going, because, you know, it may not ever turn into what it is for you, but you realize the impact that it has on people beyond what you could have ever imagined.
1: No, I mean, it's there was a lot of clues along the way, a lot of things that you know I I picked up on as I went and I, I'm a very uh, I'm a very self-reflective person, and I don't necessarily mean as like, you know, in the Brian kite, like how do I get better tomorrow kind of a deal. like it's important, but I am very self-aware. And you've heard, if you've ever heard me talk in the podcast to talk about being in and out Burger, you know, when you go to in and out you know what you're going to get. You know, I'm not Cheesecake Factory. I'm not trying to do everything. And I feel like a tiny bit of a hypocrite starting the offensive podcast. But, you know, I stay in your lane. And I know that, you know, I was, I mean, if you want to get Dr. Phil on this, I was, I'm an only child. I kind of raised myself once I hit about 16. And I've moved throughout the country by myself. I'm, I'm a free spirit. I grew up as a, as a grunge rock drummer, you know, with punk rock in my blood. And, and I know people are probably listening laughing now, but I think a lot of those ethics and those ethos kind of course through my veins and, and I'm not the type of person likes to do the same thing over and over again. And there's just so many little experiences and little sidebar stories along the way that kind of led me to this. Um, you know, if I could have my mom back and all of the things that happened you know, that were negative and I could bring her back. Obviously I would, but, you know, talking about making chicken salad out of, you know, what, um, you know, to taking something that was just trying to get by to like, so I could keep the house that I, that I grew up in. I mean, I'm talking to you right now from my desk in my office, which is actually, we converted my living room into an office. We put some outdoor patio doors on the inside. So it kind of seals it off from the house. Exactly where I'm sitting right now, Pete is where I used to watch TV as a kid, just facing the other direction. And that's important to me. And maybe it's not, you know, maybe because I didn't have any brothers or sisters um, and I kind of moved throughout the world by myself, like this was kind of always home base. And it was important for me to come back and And I couldn't waste any time. I couldn't have even survived six months in California trying to float two houses, just wasn't going to work. And so, but I think I was made for this in the sense that like, I remember I went and visited Dick Bumpus, the longtime TCU defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator. And I said, you know, why'd you hang it up? And he had retired and I went and visited him, drove out to Arkansas. It was like an 18 hour one-way trip was awesome. Spent six hours with him at his kitchen table. It was the best ever. And he said, you know, they told me when I, I got tired of saying the same thing over and over again, it was time to hang it up. And I got tired of saying the same thing over and over again. And for me, and I'm just being honest with you, we were at Sarah. We took them from, you know, we got there in 2013. Sarah's home of Tom Brady, David Bakhtiari, Lynn Swan, John Robinson. And, you know, we got there. They were the second-place team. We got them over the hump. We won the section. Then we won the regional. Then we won the state. When we left, we were 40th in the country with a team that were kind of the lovable, uh, you know, second-place team, the lovable losers, so to speak. I hate saying that because I don't want to diminish what Patrick had done before that. I mean, Patrick had taken this program. Patrick Walsh, the head coach. I've taken this program from a, from a whipping boy uh, to league champs and things, but he they have this open division in California where the best of the best play the best, no matter what size you are. The school size out there doesn't matter. Um, and they lost on the one-yard line twice of the same team, and they said, we want to get over the hump. And so we won the state, and I went and I had dinner with Stephen Lowe after Christmas holiday. Or actually, before we went for Christmas break, the week between when we won the game, and I was like, where do we go from here? I, I said to him casually, we were having dessert. And I said, uh, all happy, just, you know, just loving life. We won this state championship game against all odds. Number one team in the country. And I talk about the game a lot because a lot of the schematic things that I've talked about over the years came from that game by chance. And I was like, so do you think we'll ever be better than we were this year? And Steve was eating and he was smiling. He just looked at me, he goes, no. And he just went back down. I'm like, oh my God, he's right. Where do you go from here? You know, and so- I'm the type of guy um, I go in phases, I go in stages and doing the same thing over and over again, like trying to repeat just to get back to where I was just to do the same thing I'd already done. Like that doesn't, that, that wasn't something that, that, that like fires me up. I'm not the guy that loves routine. I'm not the guy that loves being in the weight room every day at 6am, you know, processing through you know, taking a group of guys from nothing and building it up. Like I can only do that so many times until I start getting bored. And that's just, that's just who I am. And that, that, you know, I know that that's not a good, I know that's not a good skill to have as a coach. And that's why I, you know, people say, why didn't you go back to college? It wasn't for me. That lifestyle was not for me. And, And I knew that about myself. And I see so many guys that for whatever reason, It are in the same boat but they won't leave because it's all that they know or they're glutton for punishment you know and not to say that coaching college football is bad I I mean I loved my time I loved and hated it but I'm just different I'm different than most coaches and and a lot of people look at me and laugh and you know I kind of I'm an easy target to kind of give shit to but I, I'm just, I, that's just my personality. And I knew that and instead of trying to bash my head against the wall and whatever cliche, you know, fit in the square peg into the round hole and all that stuff, I just knew it wasn't for me. And so, yes, life circumstances put me in this position, but I think I've been going this way since I started, if that makes sense. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, you mentioned about, you know, the coach never graduate. I mean, you and I started talking about two years ago, had it been, had you been a player of mine, that would have been it. You would have been off and seen the world. I mean, it really hit me. One, I, and I told you that there was these little moments, epiphanies that I had over the time. And the one that I had the most was I was sitting at, I just spoke at Glacier last year in San Francisco before the pandemic uh, hit and I was sitting there, and was talking through my, with my buddy, Adir Ravapati, who's the coach at Menlo Atherton high school. And I said, you know, and I was telling him the speech and I, I was thinking about I, the team I was closest to was the a 2012 St. Francis team that those, those were like my little brothers and I was super close to them. And then I realized like, I hadn't talked to anybody from that team in like six months. And when I, what I you know, change anything that happened? No, I love those guys, but like they go on, they move on, they go to college, they get girlfriends, they get married, they have families. Like they're thinking about their high school football coach very rarely. And, and, you know, maybe in passing, and I'm sure it had a profound impact on them on some level, but, you know, I talk to, I talk to coaching buddies of mine three, four times a week. I don't, you don't have that relationship with the players. Uh, so for me, and my personality and my life circumstances—it kind of all just came together. So it's weird, but here I am.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's—I think it's great. I think it's fitting. You know, when you talk about your <clears throat> your upbringing as a punk rock drummer, and then you sit here as we record, you're wearing a Compton hat. You know, I wear my easy hat from my like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, I dress like
1: easy. No blackface. A couple of years back.
0: <laughs> but you know, like th- those are. That genre of music, both rap, especially gangster rap and then punk rock, are, are completely supposed to be against the grain type deals. They're not supposed to be easily stuck into a genre, right? They're supposed to stand apart. So so you here you are, you're standing apart because you're doing so many different things. And some people will be like, well, isn't he doing the same thing over and over? He's recording podcast episodes. He's making the Patreon stuff all that, and yeah, sure, on the surface, it looks the same, but it's very different, because, like you said, you talk to different coaches, talk to different staffs, you're talking to a a variety of different guests about a variety of different topics, right, when you talk with Mark Marinelli, what you, you, what you guys talk about, in the misfit defense is very different from what you're talking to with Don Brown, or, um, you know, Bud Foster, and, and just, the way in which you approach stuff. And I think it's awesome. And the things that you produce, I know from the, from the short amount of time that we've come to know each other, it's quality stuff because your name's attached to it and you're not just going to throw crap out there. And because you are self-aware, you know that if you don't know, you're going to go find an answer because you would rather be honest and truthful then sell somebody some BS just to make a quick buck.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I can't say how many times where I don't know. I'll say, I I don't know, or let me, let me figure that out. Or, you know, I'll give my opinion, but I always, I always preface it. There are people out there and I don't mean to show throw shade at anybody in particular, but it goes back to the In-N-Out Burger thing, Daniel Lane. And I know some guys out there that, sell things or talk about things they truly don't know about without prefacing it you know I just did a one-on-one session with the guy and I'm teaching him Miranda's defense and my buddy Blitzology says we can't really teach a defense if you if you never run it and I get what he's saying like we always talk about this like I I get that but I preface it hey I've never coached this defense but if you want to learn the rules I know the rules you know if you want to learn you know, I've studied all the situations. I've I've never talked to Dave personally. Dave, if you're listening, you did tell me you were going to come on the podcast I'm still waiting for that. But, you know, um, but I can say, hey, in 2018, the number one call versus 12 personnel was undercover one. That's a fact, you know, but I don't. Why is it? I mean, I can guess, but I'm always very clear on that, you know, and I know that some of my work frustrates people because I don't have a weekly I, I when my show comes out it's when it's done because I'd rather first of all my podcast is like three hours long so if you were to do one a week you barely get through like I can't tell you how many guys listen to old shows because just don't have enough time and they're like mini clinics or really hell full-blown clinics and so I'd rather I'm not gonna put something out just to put something out every week for 30 minutes, even if it's 30 minutes, just so I can say, well, I put something out this week. I want good stuff. I've been talking about doing a tight front coach tube video for months. I haven't even started it. I'm still doing the research because I've got a bunch of other things going on, but I'm researching it deep. And when it comes out, it's going to be authoritative, but I'm going to tell, I'm going to say in there, Hey, I don't know this, but I, this is what I do know. And this is better than nothing kind of a deal. But yeah, I mean, putting, you know, I, I take pride in, and yeah, you could like, I hate editing audio. It's so funny. Like, making the record when I was in in uh, school, I'm actually been making music. We're going to re record some of our old songs. So, all the music on my podcast is from my band. It's so like, it's great because I don't have to license any music, but I was like 18 and we were recording in my house. <laughs> and so, we're going to redo it with all the advancements in technology and whatnot. But, you know, um, I hate editing audio, but here I am. What do I do most? Of my most spend. What do I spend most of my time on? Editing audio. I said I want to make YouTube videos because I don't want to write. Well, I'm an idiot because you kind of have to write the script out to say what you're going to talk about. <laughs> so here I am writing. The two things I do the most is I write and I edit audio, which I abhor. But like I get when when Pete Kwiatkowski said he was going to come on the podcast, I felt like as excited as I did. When we won football games, you know, and 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 there's no downside, you know, it's not like, oh, we lost. Like there is no losing. You know what I mean? I I don't know if that makes any sense. And people might be listening to this rolling their eyes, but I just, you know, and and, and maybe the podcast doesn't go forever. Maybe I get tired of, you know, editing and and hopefully I can get to a point one day where I can afford to record and send it off somewhere and it comes back edited, but I'm too much of a perfectionist and it's hard editing stuff like this. Cause like I, I had a guy professionally get the sound right on my podcast and and it was like a two and a half hour podcast. And he's like, do you ever thought about editing this down? I'm like, no, because let the coaches take all the information. You decide what you don't want. I'm not going to be the gatekeeper. You know, Pete Kwiatkowski might say something that i might not care about but you might care about you know what i mean so i'm gonna have a two hours with a guy like that you think i'm gonna cut anything he says hell no so i try to do my best i know that i don't have a set schedule i know it drives some people crazy but you're right the quality to me is something that i i i'm very serious about so and i appreciate all the kind words about the the show and whatever else i've done so thank you
0: yeah, man, absolutely. Well, and I think it's important to go back and listen to old episodes because where you were at the time in which you first heard it may be different than when you're hearing it now. And so the nugget that you took in that time may or may not apply. And then you go get something else. Um, I think it's funny too that you that you mentioned that. Because right before we started recording, I was eating dinner um, and we just I was surfing through the channels and there was nothing really on. Um, You know, thankfully, we still have the HBO package. Uh, So the wife I settled on the Flintstones with uh, John Candy and uh, or John Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman. And uh, I don't know how many times I've watched that movie and I don't know the last time that I watched it. But we both recognized that when his wife is breaking everything in the house because he throws Barney and Betty out, that the lamp that she knocks over is a leg lamp like in Christmas Story. (laughs) Like, so if you don't go back and watch and listen to old stuff, like I don't know how many times I've gone back and rewatched old defensive line clinics on YouTube that I've watched 100 times. But this time around, I grabbed something different. Or like, Oh damn, I've been coaching this wrong. Like in terms of my perspective, I should have been coaching it this way. Like, and I think that all comes from self-awareness and just realizing like you should never stop trying to grow. And like, and you're right. You know, who are you to say what is, what is, and what isn't pertinent information to somebody else when you're sitting there recording for two hours, like something's going to click for somebody, whether it's now, a year, five years down the road, you know, uh, so I think it's great that you don't cut stuff down because I'm sure there are podcasts out there that do. And then there are some, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just other topics that they're, they're, they cut it down to 30 minutes. And I'm like, why aren't you going longer? Like th- this needs to be expanded on because I need more. Now that just may be me, but I'm like, whoever you have on and whatever they're talking about, you, you, you mess you left off something like there's, there's, they're on a roll. So let it just keep rolling. And, you know, they invented a pause, a rewind and a fast forward for a reason. Yeah.
1: Just don't let me find out. You're listening to the podcast at 2.0 speed or 1.5 speed. I, I, that's insulting. I'm just, <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's true. And, and there's been, I've had some learned lessons the, the hard way and, you know, by doing things right in this vein, I've told this story a million times. I'll keep it short because this is for this point. Um, March of the year that we won the state game, I go down and put the defense in for my old boss who I ended up working for the following year. And we went back to his house that night and he was like, Oh, have you seen this this tight front stuff? And to me, tight was tight TCU over. I'm like, well, yeah, we run that. And he goes, no, no, no. And he showed me the four eyes, zero four. I with no edges. And he's like explaining all this stuff to me. And I remember I looked at him and I went, I'll, "I'll keep it clean for the show, but I remember the exact quote, "That looks effing stupid. I'll never effing do that." right Well, nine months later, from the biggest game of my life, I realized that the defense that we run is going to hurt us if we don't change, because they their number one run was QB Scramble. And they ran a lot of two by two, three by one fast released back, and it was we had to match the fast three, so we were going to vacate and have a four- zero box. I said, well, let's do, and then my mind popped back to that, that tight front discussion. Well, I didn't take any notes on what Rich said because I thought I knew better. Of course, Chris Fasser, DC at Sarah is just so much smarter than everybody. So I'm so smart. No, I'm not. I'm an idiot because I didn't write that down. Now, then I'm trying to reconstruct the defense and learn it on the fly. We ended up running it. It ended up working out. I actually had the reads backwards, but that's another topic for another day. But, I, um, you know, I'm doing this Vic Fangio study now and the positives where it's something that I did the right thing was like I, I, I'm a pack rat. And I've gone in and I've OCR'd on um, these old PDFs. And for those of you who don't know what OCR is, it's, I don't know what it stands for, but basically you open a PDF and it, it recognizes typed words as text. And there's playbooks that I've collected over the years that like, I've never thought I would ever look at the 1997 Carolina Panthers defensive playbook. That's been online forever. I've had it on my computer for 15 years. I've never looked at it. Vic Fangio was the DC and I found myself last night, you know, pulling through that or, you know, old timey defenses. I remember you know, because for a while I wrote down everything and tried to study everything and take it all in and then realized it was of detriment to me. So then I focused, but the mistake I made was I filtered, I pre-filtered it out. So instead of learning and then being like, well, I'm not going to do that, but it's good for me to learn. I became very myopic in what I learned and and it hurt me because I lost a lot of potentially good information. Like I, I know I can think of off the top of my head, probably three or four different clinic topics I should have went in and well, I'll never do that, you know, but you never know. And so, you know, I, I, my advice to young guys is learn everything, but don't do everything. Like never, like there's so many times where I've bypassed, you know, O-line clinics. Oh, I don't need to know how to block power. Like how to, how to run this or pass pro, like who cares? I'm a, I'm a defensive coach. Well, how do you think you break pass, bro? You learn it. <laughs> And so instead of studying it from the defensive side, learn it as the offensive guy. And so now I listen to every, I try to listen to everything, but there's so much content out there now. Like even in the last two years, like I started doing, it's about the two year anniversary of the beginning of the uh, podcast I did with they who will not be named, but um, you know, and at the time there was like, there was only like a couple of podcasts. I mean, the, your podcast is new, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff popping up and there's so much stuff. And so part of it is, you know, you can't watch everything. So you have to have kind of a discerning eye, but don't, don't eliminate things that you think, oh, this guy, this isn't good or or like, like don't, don't dismiss things off the bat. Like Brandon Staley four years ago or five years ago was, you know, at, I forget the name of the school, like a small one double a school and now he's the head coach of the chargers you know i knew him back in 2009 when he was at northern illinois i kicked myself that we didn't stay in touch but you know like i texted him when he got the rams job and said congrats and he was like hey who's this and i mean thanks who's this and i told him and he never responded again <laughs> <laughs> probably doesn't remember me but you know i mean i just think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned there like learn everything you can but don't think that you have to do it
0: i think that's that's absolutely true man and Yeah, you're right. There is so much content on there, out there. Um, And just to decipher what it is that you want to learn, you know, it's crazy. I think, you know, a good place to start for young guys is figure out what is it that your staff is doing, right? What are y'all's, what is your base? What's your change-ups? Who's doing it? And who's, and the other deal is who's doing it with similar type guys like, it's great to go learn what Alabama, Clemson, and those schools are doing, but you gotta remember that what what they're doing and who they're doing it with is very different from what you have. Now, it's not to say that it's not simple or it's not overly complex, but I think if you don't pay attention to the differences in, in terms of who's teaching it and how they're teaching it and to who, you know i think you're like you say you're doing yourself a disservice cuz you're just like well they they did it so we should be able to do it hell no kyp man know your personnel cuz if you don't you're going to screw yourself yeah so i'm going to ask this question and i think it's 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 probably it, it's personal in terms of like you know how you answer it and i'm sure everybody will have their own personal feelings towards it but over the course of your studies right and not just i'm not talking about who you've recorded with but you know in just terms of longevity of consistency as dcs who have you found to be you know your your mount rushmore of guys and you can go with five or you can go with zero if you if you don't want to completely answer and just give a give a nice oh they're all great answer but
1: no hell no (laughs) all right so i'll I'll go with four and then if I really can't decide i'll I'll tack on FF. uh it's got to be um can
0: i combine two people into one like a family can i put like a family up there so so let, let me let me let's do like this let's say let's just go from a college and a pro standpoint so you can have two separate two separate deals and I think yes, you can, all in one i think i think and, and this you can combine if you if you'd like all right, so we'll say
1: Gary Patterson, Nick Saban, Dave Aranda, Rex Ryan will be the fourth one. what And and now if I can expand out to families, it would be Patterson by himself because there's no really a big on his tree. Um, Saban and Smart and Pruitt, I learned from all those guys. And then... Um, a rand I've learned a lot from Ron Roberts, Patrick Tony, by extension of Ron, off of his tree. Pete Golding, off of his tree, and then when I say Rex, I'm talking about not only his—he doesn't really have a tree. He's got Mike Pettine, but the whole Ravens—that whole Ravens thing that started with Marvin Lewis. Yeah, um, you know, I chuckle because I don't want to be a jerk, but I I see guys posting things. And, like, they'll be and – and I'm super guilty of this, too, but I'll see, like, sim pressures or whatever. And it'll be a guy coming from the field and everybody dropping out. They're like, oh, that's the that's the Georgia-Atlanta sprint three. Or, oh, that's the Aranda-Far. Boys, that all came from Rex. All those pressures came from Rex. It was called Farv, what they call Atlanta-Birdar-Stride or, or whatever. That Bama and Georgia did, that's that's Rex. Favre and Bledsoe and all those Creepers that are random runs, it's all Rex. It's Rex and Vic Fangio when he was at the Niners. So, I it all. I mean, all those designers, I, I remember I started seeing somebody. And this, I mean, th- this one goes back ages before even Rex. But, like, somebody showed, like, ooh, Creeper I saw where they walked up the backers and then brought a guy off each edge and dropped him out and played, like, too deep behind him. I'm like, yeah, that's 30 years old. I don't want to be that guy that's because, and we talk about this a lot. Like there's no history of football or or, there's not a deep history of football, like where does stuff come from? And that's something that I've been wrestling with too, is getting going down that road. You know, I was doing a video, I was putting together some stuff from Miranda and I went on a two day uh, rabbit hole excursion based on one pressure and traced it back and, and was trying to figure out where it all came from. And it was simple. It was what Iranda calls Brady, what the Ravens guy calls whip fire zone. But like, I learned an important lesson. Like I'm studying, I'm studying Fangio now. And, you know, he runs that whip, they call it whip fire zone. So you're slanting the nose to the field. You're bringing the will and the A gap to the boundary and you're dropping the, the field side and rotating weak to cover three, cover three week, cover six, whatever you want to call it. And so everybody knows fire zones. Everybody knows creepers like the four under stuff where you're you're actually dropping and, and evenly spacing out to have four under droppers. And now I've discovered, and I'm going to do a video on this, that there's fire zone with a bonus drop, which is basically I'm playing fire zone coverage, three under 3d, but then I'm just going to drop a guy into a random spot, like Madden, like a user audible one guy. So it's like half and half. So I'm like, yeah, this new concept, and this is where research is important. So somebody I was talking to was like, Oh, I've seen that stuff in the Madison playbook back to Michigan. And then I, it took me on another rabbit hole. This has been done. The the reality of the situation is this has been done for 20 years. And here I am. I've never heard it talked about anywhere. And I'm thinking it's some new concept. And so I try to be very careful because like a lot of stuff that gets attributed to Saban, buddy Ryan was doing it you know what I mean and so it's just funny to see especially the younger generation of guys being like this is this concept I saw and then when you trace it all back it's like "No, well this is done you know 30 years ago 40 years ago so so
0: so if we go down down that so if we go down that logic then hey I'm just just thinking right now basically if you go down that logic everything Every almost every combination of coverage and front, you know, including your blitzes and drops and all that stuff has basically already been done right there's only a finite number of things that you can do. So, at at this point in 2021. Have we have we eclipsed or reached that that number of of combinations if we were to trace back. uh, Knowing that. 30-plus years ago, Buddy Ryan, Rex Ryan, and and predecessors before them were already doing stuff. Obviously, it's evolved with offenses. But, I mean, at the end of the day, there's only 11 people that are on the field, and you can only do so many different things with 11 different people.
1: Yes and no. I mean, I think in and of itself, like, for, like one of the things that I think of when I, I think of kind of repurposing things for a new concept It's just like music, you know, I'm sure music theorists have hypothesized that one day, every song that's ever been written will have been done because there's only so many notes or, you know, everything that's ever been done painting wise or visually, because there's only so many colors on the spectrum, but I think that things can be repurposed and used to create something new. For example, Iowa state is one of my favorites to talk about this. And this is where I kind of laugh on the other side because people seem to be like, oh, I saw XYZ run three high safeties 20 years ago. And, and it's like, okay, yeah, but they weren't doing it on base downs. And, and then they'll take a concept like the old nine jam seven, which was, I, I don't even want to hypothesize where it even came from, but, or, or fancy, a guess, but, you know, it's the, it's a theory that we're going to play an overfront with a nine technique. We're going to play an underfront with a nine technique. And we're going to play outside, but if we get a base at us, we're going to rip inside and play the C-gap. And it's for teams that are playing, teams that run stretch and one-back power. And so, okay, you're going to line up in a nine, a three, and a nine we will block out and run it inside. Well, then I can rip inside. Well, Iowa State has taken three high safeties, um, the, the theory of Tampa 2 and the theory of 9-G-M-7, three completely different things, and created a defense out of it. So yeah, in and of itself, they're not new concepts, but when you put them together, you got something new and that's what, you know, is different. And when you look at things as a whole piece now, you know, I just said, I, like, I was talking like the old guy on the porch, like that was done 30 years ago, but then I flip around on the other side. And when I hear some guys that are older than me, and I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't done like this. Like people say, oh, I've seen people played 4i, 04i before. Well, yeah. Yeah, they did, but, and people have inserted linebackers before, you know, playing quarters, but have they done it all together? You know what I mean? And so there's only, a, I mean, you can only drop so many people, you can only bring so many people. But I think what you're seeing, the creativity, and, and how things are done. Like, for example, here's, here's a good example on this. There's only so many three man twists you can run. Correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just did a five O video for YouTube. Right. You know, especially if you're doing it to one side, the three goes out, the zero goes out, the five loops around inside, you know, the the three goes down inside the five goes down inside the zero loops for contain, you know, then you do the three man twist with the interior three. One three technique is the A, the zero hits the A, the three technique on the other side loops around at the B. Sure, you can only do that so many ways, but people are now using those stunts and going loaded fronts where they're putting their best pass rusher away from the loaded fronts, and then you have to make a decision where you're gonna slide. You know, people have run loaded fronts before, they've run three man games before, but putting them together is something new. So I think, you know, everybody says there's new, there's no new concepts in football. Okay, well then why is everybody all over Brandon Staley right now? Cause he combined the bear front and quarters. He took what Vic Fangio did back from when he was at the bears, maybe even before that. And he, and he made it even different. So, I mean, and I think in and of itself, like if offense has never evolved after today, if everything that's ever been created in offense is like stops and like you make a rule or not no offensive coach can come up with a new concept and maybe, but when the offense presents new uh, concepts and new theories and things, uh, for example, sorry, I'm, I'm going on tangible. Like I just saw a clip of Saban talking about playing hippo personnel, which is their four, four, three package. So they, they take out a DB, they put in an extra linebacker versus 13 personnel when they played Notre Dame. Well, Hippo has been around for, you know, forever, but they haven't usually played in the open field because they, like, that's a that's a 22 personnel, you know, goal line, red zone kind of a deal, but it's mostly for 22 personnel. Well, now you're getting 13 personnel and people are running three wings. And so they're running. And I know we talked about it going back to like Mark Bavaro and, you know, parcels at the Giants, but you know, they, they, they took something, you know, teams are doing something that was done 30 years ago. They're putting their new spin on it and they're running a play like duo. We're well, gonna have to fit that differently. So I think that's where defensive innovation will never stop is because we're having to mirror offenses or we're not having to mirror offenses, but we're having to evolve with offensive evolution. So. It'll be something else, you know, it'll be in five years. I mean, just like the last couple of years, just the, what was hot a couple of years ago and what's hot now. You know what I mean? Like it changes all the time. Like I think what Cincinnati's doing is is pretty creative. Nothing they're doing is in and of itself new, but how they put it all together is fascinating.
0: Yeah. No, I just wanted to throw that out there because I know, you know, the researcher that you are and the historian that you are, you know, I you sometimes think about stuff. It's like, you know, do we ever reach the end? But I think, you know, like you said, the answer is no because there's always going to be somebody doing something new somewhere. And, and, and you know, I think people have been talking about the bare front and, and the 46 defense for several years now in terms of its application to the game. And I think what you're starting to see is that people are, like, really taking the time now to understand what the hell was going on. Yeah. You know? I think they oh. thought it I think they thought it was just some slobber knocker defense and it was so successful because of who they have but in reality it was it was already kind of a hybrid defense as it was just it looked a little different because they had different people
1: well the, that's a great example so the 46 here's a great example about the 46 so buddy Ryan starts running this. Again, is the bear, was the, a new concept, was the double eagle? No, Greasy Neal did it in the 50s. But having the stand-up seven, so you basically took the bear and the split four, and you combine them, right? So, playing a stand-up seven with a nine technique boxing, is that new? No. Is the double eagle new? No. But you put it together, right? So, Buddy's running this against 21 personnel versus 12 personnel, 10 personnel. It's fantastic. Kicking kickin ass. All of a sudden, they get an 11 personnel, and Joe Gibbs gets in a three-by-one and runs weak side counter, and they're short a guy. And here's Buddy Ryan. who He he don't change his defense for nobody. Like, I know I did some double negatives there, but he's not changing his defense. Well, Wade told the story in the podcast, Wade Phillips, when he came on, which is funny because it's a concept I've always wondered about, and then it turns out he invented it. They call it the Jayhawk Adjustment. So what they would do is they'd get the stand up seven off the tight end, so they could play forty tech linebackers, so they could balance them out, balance themselves up more, and play be able to play counter. And then even his buddy started getting away from some of those forty six concepts, or or he stuck with them rather eleven personnel. He was a little it was a little dicey. He was only he was either gonna not run it or he was gonna change up the the foundations. So Rex gets the head job at the Jets in two thousand nine. And he starts bringing the bear stuff back. And of course the rest of the NFL is copying it, but with the nature of being in the gun and the, in the NFL, not running counter anymore. I mean, you don't see a lot of counter out of 11 personnel and you see more, you know, zone and drop back pass. The bear was awesome because you got one-on-ones where you wanted them. You got double edge pressure so you got to back on a, you know, you have a chance to get some mismatches and, and really clog up the inside in the mid zone running game. And I know for a fact there were teams that were only running bare versus 11 personnel. <laughs> so here's the guy that invented it, <laughs> getting away from it because of an offensive reaction to it. Fast forward 10, 20 years, all of a sudden that offensive plays out the window. They're not under center running counter tray, pulling the guard in the tackle. You're getting gun zoned. The running game has changed a lot. And now you can run a defense that was only bad versus one group. People running it only versus that group. That's what's so interesting about football is, you know, like I, I tell clients all the time, you know, that they and this is popular with like the air raid, the air raid offense. There's guys that run the 2008 version of the air raid offense. They went and saw Tony, Tony Franklin in a clinic. They're doing all the fast screens. They're still running mesh and cross and all that stuff, but they're not running RPOs. They're running the, like I said, the 2008 version. Well, then run the 2008 version of the defense. Stop it. Don't worry about RPOs. You can still play palms and have those guys fast trigger on the run and things because you don't have to worry about it because they don't do it. Yeah. So that's a really good. Now, Brandon Staley, what's he doing? He's playing quarters out of the bear. Like they're, they're so different. Like for example, most odd front teams that play quarters, they bring the will, right? The weak side guy. Fangio and Staley don't, they bring the Sam because of the look they're in. They drop the will as the weak curl flat player and they can do that. And so you have something that had all these rules that couldn't, couldn't be done. And now people are doing the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, no, it's, that's a great um, kind of description and breakdown of all that. And, you know, I think, I think it's, it's now's the time more than ever to be studying Older stuff and realizing the the application that it has to today's game because the offenses are doing it. You're seeing variations of the wing tee, the nasty slot. You're seeing all those things coming back to gain leverage, to gain a blocker, to force you to play eleven on eleven instead of ten on ten on eleven, and it's just creating, you know. If you you don't have somebody on your staff that has seen an old-style offense, you're probably doing yourself a disservice because they've got a nugget of knowledge that they can pull out of their back pocket to stop something, whereas some of these new guys, they've only seen one or two different offenses, or all they've seen is spread, but they've seen a couple of different variations of three-by-one, two-by-two, and heavy empty type stuff, but they've never seen an under center triple option type stuff so then when they get that they don't know what to do because they haven't bothered to study it in their off time
1: yeah I mean that's part of the reason it's shameless self-promotion but that's part of the reason I started doing some of these coach tube courses like I did a defending the wing team. and I'm going to do the goal is to do a series for each offense so because of that exact situation you know if you look at defending the wing T out of the four, four, I believe that there's only one book out there that I found and it's the split four. Well, I mean, you want to put in the split four for your defense, but it was kind of like, how do you defend old timey quote unquote, old timey offenses with new age defenses without unwinding everything that you've done? You know, can you do it? Does it work? I mean, and so that's kind of the thing is, okay, make this tweak, make that tweak. Because what's happening is the inverse of what happened 20 years ago, which is you built your defense to defend I and twins. And you'd have your spread package that you'd put in for when you saw that one spread team and you had a simple defense. And then, you know, the numbers have switched and now it's the one or two wing T teams you see. And now you got to be able to play tight ends and stuff when, you know, how are you going to handle that without unwinding your entire system? So I think it's very important to, to learn the history and, You want to learn the wing T offense, go read the guys, go read a playbook, go read a book on the offense. That's where you start.
0: No doubt, man. No doubt. And you know, if, if you want to, uh, to definitely get better, you you know, I highly encourage people to sign up for your Patreon, check your YouTube channel out, go back and listen to old episodes, but then take the time and, and, and the people that he's, Done videos over the, the guests that he's had on. Go research what they're doing, man. There's, there's hundreds of um, access points to old playbooks um, and stuff like that. Um, I know, you know, Kevin Swift has a huge Google Drive uh, that people dump stuff into that you can go find hundreds of different playbooks from various decades um you know you there's so much stuff out there you can google it, it it's just a matter of of a want to um you know because unfortunately not 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 everybody's going to have the time like you have to put the content together but then like you said you're going to take your time and you're going to do it right uh rather than just half-ass it and and throw something out there for a quick bug
1: well and that was kind of the theory of what i was doing you know um I realized that a lot of coaches were doing the same thing and they were all taking the time and they were all studying, like, you know, you, you get Alabama film or whatever shared with you. And then you have, and I realized this one day, um, you know, the, the secret Google drives that get shared and there was, you know, 20 people uh, on a Google drive getting a Bama game. Right. So one game that lasts 45 minutes I hope I get my right, math right here. But one game that lasts forty-five minutes, twenty coaches. Now you have that's fifteen hours worth of film stored. I, do I have that math right? <laughs> I'm gonna feel like a real idiot.
0: Uh, don't ask me for math. Let, let,
1: let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's <laughs> round numbers. So let's say it's a long game. It's overtime. It's an hour long, which is let's or half hour. I'll even be. I'll be conservative. You'd have to cut that part. <laughs> So so let's say you got 20 guys on a Google drive, with one game, that's 30 minutes, that's 10 hours of film. So you got 20 guys cutting up a 30 minute game, storing it all on their own. So now you've got 20 guys storing one game. That's now 10 hours of film instead of 30 minutes. And you have all the people and they're all work. They're all working and studying it and they're all wasting time. And so my thought was, well, why don't I do the breakdowns? You guys save your time and then... Everybody kind of pitch in and 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 help me out to make this worthwhile, and I'll just this will be my job kind of a thing, you know. And and I have, uh, speaking of Doctor Salimi, he he calls me his his marriage counselor because he said, "Listen, if you weren't doing this, I'm going to do it, and I would have a very angry wife. So you help you help keep the peace in my home, <laughs> you know." And it's, it's, I can't tell you how many people because you still have time, and so. My whole thought was, I remember seeing this group and being like, why don't we all just pick a defense and then study it and then report back to each other? It's stupid to all study the same thing if we know. Now, if you don't know it, that's one thing. But like, you know, if there's a guy in there that's an Aranda guy, why doesn't he study the Aranda film and then tell us what to do rather than me trying to figure it out? Because I get real impatient with that stuff. I don't like studying stuff if I don't have tags or have a very intimate knowledge of it. Cause it's guys screw up so much and the calls change. And, you know, especially if you're doing split field stuff, it could be a million different combinations and I get, I'm, I'm easily frustrated to be frank. So, but that was kind of the thing is, is I'll do the research, I'll do the legwork, you know, and then everybody kind of chip in and I'll teach you what I learned, you know, and, and we get so much more done. <laughs> You know, if in and again, I'm not trying to turn this an advertisement for the Patreon, but like we've got a little bit of everything. We've got stuff on whether it's a film archive or whether it's play, you know, playbooks, like a redrawing of playbooks or notes or whatever. I mean, we've got a Randic cover. We've got Saban, Smart, Patterson, a little bit of Don Brown, Bud Foster. I mean, there's just a little Nate Woody. You know, there's a lot of just little things and and. And, you know, not everybody has a chance to go to the places I've been. And that's, again, you know, I was able to quit my job in the middle of the year because I was single and didn't have any kids. Like, I wouldn't have been able to come back here. if I had, I mean, Could you imagine if I had a wife and kids that I was responsible for? And then I was like, hey, guys, I have this idea. My mom just passed away. I'm going to quit in the middle of the school year and, uh, and have no guaranteed income and then drive across the country ready, break. Like I'd have been divorced. You know what I mean? So, I've again, chicken salad and the chicken, you know what? I mean, it's kind of one of these things like, you know, I'm able to go on these long trips and visit places. And I I don't want it to be one of these things where like, I don't want guys that invite me in the building to think like, Oh, I'm just going there to learn. So I could turn around and sell the information. That's not it at all. In fact, I will only talk about stuff that is readily available uh, or you can clean off a film. Like I, you know, and I, I, I'm very upfront with those guys, like, you know, Glenn Schumann in Georgia and I are very close, uh, we're, we're close friends. Um, and you know, I always tell them like, listen, if you tell me something, I'm not going to turn around and tell everybody, you know what I mean? Is that, it's a fine line for me too, because if people think I'm trying to like make money off of, you know, meeting with them, spending this money and then turn around and then sell the information, like that's not it at all. There's a lot of things I won't talk about. And I know it frustrates people sometimes, but also like. I'm not going to burn bridges. This, this thing's about relationships,
0: you yeah. know, what I mean.
1: and I'm not going to burn bridges now, you know, being honest, if I'm doing a one-on-one thing, that's not being recorded. And, you know, I like even my own defense, like I'm much more likely to talk about some secret sauce and the stuff that I do rather than a public thing that whoever can listen to. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, but yeah, it's a fine line to walk. No.
0: doubt, And I've heard you talk about that before. And, how um you know there's a, there's a level of trust when they let you in the building um and you know sometimes things are already out before you realize it uh for for various reasons i know that things have transpired over the over the recent months that are trying i guess to tighten up some of that i don't know uh i think particularly with like youtube or whatever's going on with that but um i don't even you know get me started. no no i was gonna say <laughs> We we'll, won't we'll go down that rabbit hole, but, you know, the gift and curse of this 21st century is the knowledge is already out there. Like, it, yeah. it's just a matter of time before it comes out. So, but, man, it's been awesome. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I mean, like, with TCU and things like that, like, I um, – like there's things I won't talk about that I know it's not out there that I will only talk about in person or one-on-one because, you know, things I've picked up. And even then I, I stopped short on, you know, because one of the things about being in this position, I'll say this is a lot of people, how do I say this? without sounding like a douche. Uh, a lot of people are grateful um, for the service that I provide, whether it's not just the Patreon but like the podcast and whatnot. Um, I think that's what also gives me a pass that like I have coach tube courses. I don't think I get looked at as like this slick salesman guy because I've given out so much free sh- stuff over the years. <laughs> you know what I mean? With like all oh, yeah. those clinics and all the huddle blitz stuff. And, and uh, like, I'm doing a Kurt Warner free webinar in a couple weeks or next week, actually, Jeez, it's going to be a less than a week away. Like I keep thinking it's a couple weeks away. Well, free of charge where I'm paying for, I'm going to buy the zoom, the 500 seat zoom mega stadium seating for whatever you want to call it. Webinar branded deal. I'm not charging for that. I mean, I, I'm paying out of my own pocket, you know, all the, the podcast, all that stuff. And I think that helps protect me from people. being like, Oh, he's just some jerk trying to make a buck. Cause it's like, listen, man, there's a, there's a lot of free content out there that you can get, but You know, um, there's stuff that I, because I'm in this situation, people send me stuff as like a thank you. I get tags from, I I don't even ask how the stuff gets sent to me, but like unsolicited, I get playbooks, I get tags, even NFL stuff. I mean, it's wild the stuff I get, but I can't. And and I know there's some people that get upset, like, oh, come on, man. You could trust me. And it's like, I can trust you, but if somebody says to me, Thank you for everything that you've done. I really appreciate you as a thank you. I wanted to send you this because I knew you'd like it. Please don't share with anybody else. I'm going to turn around and break their trust. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, trust is key and I am in a weird position because I am teaching a lot of people stuff. I do have a lot of close relationships with a lot of guys and, but I'm very protective of that. And like, it's a fine line. You got to walk and, and I know I upset some people because there's been some times where people, Hey, can I get that? I'm like, no, but then I'll ask them for something. But I'm always like, Hey man, you know, I, I know I wasn't able to give you this, but I know you have this thing you're giving out. Like I apologize, but if you can send it cool, if not no hard feelings, but I mean, that's part of the deal. If anybody tells me don't share this with anybody, I I won't. I'm very, very protective.
0: Yeah. I think that's an important deal. So, but brother, it's been awesome going down all the various rabbit holes, but I'd be remiss if we didn't, if we didn't discuss uh, some necessary content, i.e. Miami and Florida state and the state of, of both programs. Not, we won't, we won't, we won't uh, burn any bridges and say anything negative. Just, just, you know, listen, yourself. Listen, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of, of, Op, cautious optimism is what I tell my buddies right now, given where they're going and what they're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's got to come down to the product on the field. So for now we'll reminisce and live in the past, like cowboy fans do. <laughs> no comment. Yes. Yes. I'm going to sling. I'm going <laughs> to sling it to the cowboy fans. I'll get it. I'll, I'll deal with it later. I.e., my wife, but it's okay. Um, so at your time in Miami, give me one of your favorite FSU Miami game moments. Oh, man, you're not going to like this. I'm really sorry.
1: Because when I was in school, we won every time, except for my senior year. Um, so my favorite moment was actually before I went to Miami. Uh, it, it would have been my freshman year. My best friend, Chris, Miami uh, was his safety school. He's a, he's a smart one. Miami's a good school. I mean, a lot of people make jokes about it because of the football team's history, but it's a top fifty school in the country. Like, it's very good school.
0: No, I the, mean, jokes, that's the very jokes are tender, made, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> the, the, the jokes are made, at least at least from my from my perspective and and firsthand view, is that all the fans never go to Miami because they go to Dade community college or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and they and they live you know, in, on off of Cayocho and and everything in little Havana over there, but right. they've never stepped foot on the campus. But, but, anyway. well,
1: I, and I have those same complaints stuff, Gators and Notre Dame fans, not so much, <laughs> not so much Florida state. Cause anybody can get in there. Shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. Sorry. Fair, I to, fair enough. Fair but enough. no, but um, you know, I, I, we'll I'll get to that in a second, but. um, So I, I had the dream to go to Miami. I've always wanted to go since I was like three and I was an idiot in high school. I dicked around. So I was doing a year of community college and I got my life together and we went to October 2002. I think it was wide right. Three. And we snuck into the student section because I obviously wasn't a student. We like paid a security guard to let us in. And then as we were going in, the cops came so I had to run away. And then I, we ended up buying legit tickets like on the 50 yard line in the second quarter. But for some reason, still went and sat in the student section. And, my, and, and Miami was losing to Florida State. And I'll never forget this. There was this lone FSU fan in the student section. But like, who wants who wants to bet? I think at that time, Florida State was up by 11. Who wants to take a bet with like seven minutes left? Who wants to take a bet? And this one guy's like, I'll take your bet. And then Miami comes back. They score. And then wide right, wide right three, I think. And then uh, it was pandemonium it was the, when they won the game. So that was probably, and then uh, two years later, the Frank Gore overtime touchdown was pretty good. Uh, The game that was rescheduled because of the hurricane in Oh four. My favorite all-time memory though was, and maybe we can, we can find some common ground was I was there for the uh, Hester's kick return against the Gators. And then we went down by 25. And then Brock Berlin came back to beat the Gators. That's probably my favorite moment in that stadium. There you
0: go I I will I will I, I was I have a little bit of a a soft spot for Miami you know <clears throat> growing up one of my favorite players was Warren Sapp. oh yeah um you know and and you talk about it's hard to talk about the Ravens and not not enjoy the play of Ed Reed and and um Ray Lewis and, and such uh so for me I'll root for Miami uh certainly always over the gators i don't think there's for sure there's nothing there's nothing that can convince me to root for the gators short of a a handful of people that would potentially go play there uh for various reasons or or my unborn children get a scholarship okay i'll swallow my yeah i'll swallow my pride because yeah it, it is a good school And, and money talks and free money is great because if I don't have to pay for it, great. But until that time happens, no, not rooting for it. Now, if anybody for the University of Florida is listening and they want to potentially offer uh, any of the guys that I coach down the line, feel free. I'll have, you'll be welcome to wherever I'm at and I'll reach out and uh, try to learn, you know, I'm not going to turn anybody away from that, but you know, at what's what's the s what's the ESPN commercial for for ESPNU right? Never graduate. I think at the end of the day, we're all still fans to an extent of, of the game, and we have our allegiances.
1: Recently, that is true. Uh, I befriended a guy named Ryan Osborne who's actually in Michigan now, but he was at Florida for a couple of years, and so I found myself rooting for them, and then you know, rooting for Todd Grantham who. You know, if we're talking scheme wise, 11 or 21 and 12 personnel, he's Wade Phillips and then 11 and smaller. He is Nick Saban. But before then, when I was just a fan, I used to tell people that if the Taliban had a football team and they were playing the Gators, I'd root for the Taliban (laughs) and Notre Dame. Now, now it always matters who's better. So like this year, I hated Notre Dame more because they were um, they were better. Uh, but I mean, it's changed so much. Like for me being in this business and being in this profession, you know, I was a huge dolphin fan growing up. And then I went to San Jose state. And then two years later, you know, my buddy from Miami gets a job in the bill scouting department. One of my best friends gets drafted by the jets, Dwight Lowry. And then I befriended Vince Wolfork, who was at the Patriots at the time. And then I had no connection to the dolphins. And so it was hard for me because the Dolphins play the Jets, and I'm like, well, I hope they score, just not at Dwight's expense. You know what I mean? It was this weird thing, and it's kind of carried over. Like, I, I'm i able to take my hat off, my fan hat off, and my coach hat and, and swipe them when I need to or swap him when I need to, rather. Like, I, I interviewed Marcus Freeman a couple of weeks ago for Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, I was a great love his defense.
1: Thank you. I love his defense. I think what they're doing versus RPOs is really cool. They're basically playing three, four, cover one, spacing. Versus 11, then they're in They're spilling with both guys, and then they're playing lever spill, lever fits. It turns in almost like a 30 stack versus 10 personnel. But, you know, I wish that guy was our defensive coordinator. And I love Coach Freeman. Like, he's awesome. Like, I, I, I he's got a fan in me for a long time. Um, And I don't want to, you know, I, I you never hear me talking smack on Twitter about fandom like okay? that, just because I hate being embarrassed in public. That's why I don't talk shit because. <laughs> I don't want to be embarrassed by you know if I talk that's why if you notice I have very extreme opinions about stuff that is like it's very popular <laughs> I sound like a sellout but like I don't <laughs> I don't like talking I don't like talking smack like I'm I'm more and maybe this goes to like the whole why did you leave the coaching ranks kind of a thing it was like so many times after games game I wasn't excited I was relieved like oh my god like thank you, God, we won the game. Like it was more of like a relief rather than like, oh my God, we won and celebrating. Like if you ever see, there's been some big games we've played where it's been televised and everybody's, I remember in the state game um, or the game leading up to go to the state, we beat a team on a two point play and everybody went nuts and ran on the field. And I literally put my head down and walked away to be by myself for a few minutes. And just kind of stood there away from everybody just been like oh my god I can't. oh my god thank god thank god that we didn't lose not oh my god we won and you know i i think that's that this is a lot about how i view this game like i don't when well when miami wins i'm just relieved that they didn't lose I, don't, <laughs> I, <know that> <laughs> bad. I never take joy it's it's either sadness or relief it's never like oh my god now when we would be there was a few, and I don't want to sound like a joyous, a joyless idiot, but obviously there was times where I was very excited. I mean, especially when we were underdogs and we would beat teams and things like that. But that was the hard part about being at Sarah was we were mostly favored. So it, it was like, we should win. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the, the mentality you have to have, but also be on edge that you may not. And, and so it became, It fostered inside of me, and don't. I think I was the only one that was like this. Everybody else was like thrilled, but I was just like, "Oh my god, thank God we didn't lose." So that that may influence or inform a lot about my personality. (laughs) That little nugget right there. Yeah. But um, 2001 Miami would beat 13 FSU hands down. So I know that. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna put my Homer hat on, and I put my level-headed professional hat on. I've had it on my Compton hat. I'm taking it off. Put my Miami fan hat on. And I'm going to say that the 2001 Miami hurricanes is the best college football team of all time.
0: Don't I don't care do about know. 95 Nebraska. Don't care. <laughs> They're the best man. I, I really have to agree with you. I, I just, wow. I, I'm serious as, as prolific as that 2000, see, and, and I think,
1: and they were a good team, by the way, two things real quick. Let me sneak in. Sorry. 20, by the way, I respect Florida state. I, I, I don't love them, but I I never – like, when they play Florida, I always root for Florida – or I always root for Florida State unless there's a chance that like, Florida State could go to a national championship. Like, when they played in 13, I rooted for the Gators just because I didn't want to have to hear it from my Florida State fans. <laughs> and the other thing – so, a couple of things that we've talked about that I missed. All right, so, that's the first thing. I have a, a very high respect for Florida State. Number two, the 2013 FSU fan – or. The 2013 FSU game or team rather is phenomenal. Like I don't think they get praised enough. And then I the agree third, that. you talked about the Miami fans that all go to Dade. It's funny, <laughs> all the Miami guys go to Florida and uh, and elsewhere. And then you know we have like a third of our school from Connecticut, but there's nothing worse than than having a a, a Notre Dame fan. Who's never even been to South Bend, talk smack to you or a Florida fan. Like, I know some people who weren't, how do I say this nicely, academically inclined enough to get to Florida? So they went to Santa Fe community. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be a snob, but if you're gonna talk crap about a team that I not only or school that I not only went to, but worked for the football team, and you've never even attended this Notre Dame or Florida, like get out of here. Get out of here! Like I don't want to hear. Like you could talk smack, but like just know that I'm going to come back with uh with a snarky comment about not being able to get in. Yeah, if you can handle that, then we could talk some smack. But I'm definitely going to roast you. Anyway, I'm sorry no, to cut no, you off. No, fair close. enough.
0: I I agree with you on all on all accounts. Um, I I, I think, and we're not going to we won't get into it right now, but I th- I think I understand. I I think, and a lot of people probably think as to why the 2013 team, the FSU team, does not get enough love. Um, why do you think that is? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, the do you just think
1: it's because Jameis is a weirdo and he does like licks his fingers and stuff, or do you think it goes way deeper I, I,
0: I think it has a lot to do with Jameis. Um, I think.
1: Who I thought, <laughs> I thought his name was Jamez for years. <laughs> I had a, uh, I'll tell you another story about it off air, but go ahead. <laughs> Sorry.
0: You know, I, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, I don't know if, if Jimbo Fisher is everybody's cup of tea as a head coach. Um, so I could see that potentially rubbing people the wrong way. Um, I think, I think he's a good, I think he's a damn good. OC, I think he's done a really good job of now really rebuilding two programs. Like Texas A&M is a very relevant program, and there's talks in offices about potentially being the best program in the state of Texas right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, So. I I mean, who's better right now? We're talking about right now. Yeah. No, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to say. Texas coach
1: just got fired. I mean, I hate to, I don't want to be a jerk, but, like, There's a reason why Kwiatkowski's at Texas now.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Like TCU's not – I mean, A&M. and m hung with Bama, didn't they, this year?
0: Yes, they did.
1: Jimbo does a really good job offensively, like talking to Pruitt and those guys at Tennessee. And I don't – again, kind of what we talked about, about sharing stuff. And I won't go into specifics, but they have to change some of their rules when they play them on some things because – he knows them one right Nick, but like he's very, very good at using me rules against you. Yeah. And I think if if FSU's athletic department, like I I again feel like I'm this is all kind of why weaving together. And I don't and want to talk about personal stories and things that were told to me in confidence, but I'll say this because this is this is a publicly available statement. I found it curious that a guy like Jeremy Pruitt would come to Florida state win a national championship and then immediately leave go to Georgia who hadn't been in competing for a national championship
0: yeah on its own
1: volition like I I always wondered why and then I've learned some things along the way and I went oh you know it, to do with Florida state and the ACC as a whole um but uh, it made sense because I couldn't I didn't understand why did Jimbo leave for Texas AM like because he had Florida State as a top the top ten team. Yeah. and m was not good. I mean, Kevin Sumlin had run them into the ground, I I think. I mean, some people may disagree, but they were not good. And yeah. um I could not understand that move. Now I get it. I get it now. Like from the stories I've heard, the things I've been told. Yeah. Miami's a lot in the same way in a lot of reasons. First of all, there's a lot of misnomers and misconceptions about Miami. Everybody thinks it's a, it's a small school. It's private school. Most of the people aren't from Miami is one of the most diverse schools in the world, like in the freaking world. Like there's not a lot of hometown. Like you said, there's not a lot. Everybody that grew up in Miami wants to get the hell out. And then everybody that comes to Miami thinks it's the greatest thing ever. If you're from out of town, it's like, it's like Vegas. Like people that grew up in Vegas, get the hell out of there and then there's just all out of towners but you know we could be so much better if it weren't for a few key people if if they could get their lives together i think it'd be good but anyway sorry don't want to mean to filibuster
0: i love it man no but, Vass, man, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, I know we've been wanting to do this for a while. We've been playing phone tag, so I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. I, I really appreciate our friendship um, and just, uh, you know, you being somebody that I can reach out to regarding both the game and, and this whole podcast thing. Uh, I know that I have a lot to learn about both. Um, you know, so do I. <laughs> Uh, one, of, so one of these days I'll stop being cheap and I'll pony up the money to get on Patreon. So, but, uh, but that's coming soon, man. And, and like I said, I appreciate it. uh everything that you're doing for the game of football, um, and the art of coaching in general. I think everything that you're doing is, is top notch and it's a great Avenue for, uh, for people just to learn from and grow from. So if you want to take a moment and, uh, recap all, all the ways that people can access the, the things that you have um, anything that you want to to let let known um, about well, i'm sorry good um, um so
1: a couple things one you can follow me on twitter at coach Vass or the show's account at MDGA podcast if you follow the podcast show i will automatically follow you back and basically i don't keep my dms open because i'm like listen if you want to talk to me at least gotta follow me like that's fair right um <laughs> but um you know the coach vast account is i talk about football a lot, but there's more personal stuff and i know there's some people that have unfollowed me because they're like you know one guy was very explicit with me like you know i'll every so often post about politics and or i'll talk about soccer or something and you know, stick to football, I'm like, F you, dude, like, my Twitter account from 2010 or 20 2009 to like last two years was like my personal interest. Like, I'm not a I'm not a dancing monkey. Like, if you don't like it, that's why I have a shows account. That's why I don't have just one account. Like I have one for the offense, one for the defense. And I'll share retweet some things every once in a while from all the accounts. But like, I kind of keep it try to do a little bit of church and state action, but follow me at coach fast. And then the, the one thing I'll just tell you, I could give you a million links, but just go to linktree.com slash coach So that's linktree.com slash C-O-A-C-H-V as in Victor, A-S-S. And it has my website where you can go. You can check out old podcasts, newer podcasts. There's a their merch store for the, the show. There's consulting. If you're interested in doing some one-on-one sessions, it has the link to the Patreon there's five dollar tiers. There's five dollars a month, all the way up to like hundred dollars a month with built-in one-on-one consulting and a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, it's got it's got links to CoachTube courses. If you're like, oh yeah, that wing T thing sounds great, it's there. Um, I also do some advertisements for my show through CoachTube, so I have like the course of the week that I'll post up there. It's got all my link. The thing thing's awesome. It's free and it allows you just to have a central repository. Because I've gotten so much stuff out there, like the YouTube, I even forgot about the YouTube channels on there. And some of the links are really long and it's great just to have a central repository with all your links right there. So linktree.com slash coach fast. Also check out the the two podcasts, which are hard to link because of how Apple is and not everybody has Apple. So if you want to check out the podcast, it's called make defense great again, that is satire. There's no political meaning in there. So please don't take it as such. I know that some people have. (laughs) And the new offensive show, run vast option. We've got some really cool guests coming on. The make defense great again just went through like a, a gauntlet of awesomeness. Like we had this season, we did. Uh, Kyle Cogan was episode one, and then had Paul Gonzalez from TCU, Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame, and Pete Kwiatkowski from Texas. It was wild. Like we've really come out of the gate fast this year. So. Check that out. And if you have any questions about football, if you want to know anything, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I, I love talking to people and I love interacting. So thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry about all the false starts and, and schedule rescheduling.
0: It's all good, man. It's just a fact of life and overcoming adversity. Appreciate you, man. Really hope you enjoyed today's episode with coach Vass. Hope you make sure to follow his Twitters for his two podcasts. Check out his Patreon. Check out his website, www.coachvass.com, for a lot of m- more information and links to various other content he's created. Thank you, Coach Vass, for everything you do for the game, for coaches, and for even FIFA. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcast, wherever you get your podcast fixed from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world.